What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope all is well in your world and you're ready for another day of conversation in the world of pro wrestling because that's what we've got for you today. And I think today's going to be a fun one. Always want to say thank you to everybody who joins us on the socials at The Faction Show as well as those who join us right here via podcast. If you are subscribed, thank you so much. I don't take it for granted. I know there are tons of wrestling podcasts that are out there, but the fact that you choose us among those means a lot to me and to our entire crew. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. If you're not subscribed, go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to us. In addition, if you're not following us on the socials, do that today at The Faction Show. I think you'll be glad that you did okay so there's a lot to dig into I started to dig into NXT 2.0 today but I think I'm going to wait on that and I'm going to wait on that for a couple of reasons I've got some analysis I want to do with it instead I want to talk about something that's going to kick off this weekend and then get into how this is impacting the entire landscape of pro wrestling This weekend starts the return of the King of the Ring tournament, and for the first time ever, we're going to have the female edition of that, which is being called the Queen's Crown Tournament. Both of them will kick off this Friday on SmackDown, and of course, will continue on Monday Night Raw. The word on the street is that we'll probably get to the finales of both of these by Crown Jewel. So I've got a couple of opinions. First and foremost, we have no idea who currently is scheduled to be a part of either the King of the Ring or the Queen's Crown Tournament. What's interesting about that is who should be a part of it and what does it mean? If you remember back in the day during the original iteration of the King of the Ring tournament, and when I say original, I'm not referencing the 80s, though that was the original, but during the 90s, you would end up becoming the number one contender, and since it was held during the summertime, it was usually held around June, it would make you the number one contender for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam. That's kind of a cool scenario. It's how Brock Lesnar ended up battling The Rock. It's how we saw a number of other scenarios go down relative to the WWE Championship and the King of the Ring Tournament. King of the Ring Tournament always really meant a lot, certainly during the 80s and the 90s. In the 2000s, you know, we saw some intriguing things going back to the 90s. It's the rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Of course, it's the beginning of Austin 316, right? We also saw Bret Hart really start to rise as a singles competitor as the king of the ring. It was the launching pad for Triple H and several others. As we got into the 2000s, we started seeing king of the ring being used differently. It certainly was a launching pad for someone like Edge, who really could be deemed a viable singles competitor, and many could argue that his King of the Ring victory led him to some other very significant moments in his career. Then you also have the King of the Ring scenario where it just became a bit of a gimmick, right? So, of course, Booker T winning, now being King Booker, That became a gimmick that lasted for him for quite some time. Uh, Fast forward to Wade Barrett becoming King Barrett, Sheamus becoming King Sheamus, and most recently, Baron Corbin being named King Corbin. 
So the King of the Ring tournament hasn't had the kind of luster and value that it once had. What will it now matter these days in 2021? It is certainly an ode to history, and certainly over time we would see qualifying matches that would lead us into a one-night tournament, which initially would be an eight-man tournament. Then as time progressed, it would turn into kind of just showing the semifinals and the finals. Then it moved to a point where it wasn't even its own pay-per-view anymore. Now the King of the Ring is just a match decided during the midst of another pay-per-view. Then as we're watching the evolution of it, we see it now being reduced to either Raw or SmackDown, and it doesn't have the luster that it used to have. So I think the challenge that WWE is going to have with King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown is making it valuable. I don't know that I want to run around calling someone king this and king that. For instance, we're calling Shinsuke Nakamura now King Nakamura because he beat Baron Corbin, not because he won the King of the Ring tournament. Not that Shinsuke couldn't win the King of the Ring tournament, but it just doesn't mean the same thing, right? So at some point, this is going to have to hold some value. Maybe just maybe the winner gets a title shot at Survivor Series, which would make sense. However, the Survivor Series over the last few years has been about brand supremacy. So it's been about Raw versus SmackDown, and who can forget the amazing Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, which we obviously won't be seeing this year so I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen WWE has been pretty tight-lipped in terms of who will be participating in terms of what it will mean there has been a groundswell on the socials to see one Xavier Woods entered into the tournament and winning the tournament wouldn't that be something for the new day continuing to really cement the new day as not just the greatest tag team ever but you could really make the argument that they'd be the greatest faction ever if Xavier Woods goes into the King of the Ring tournament and comes out as the King of the Ring. So I'm curious what you guys think the King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown tournament should represent. What should the winner receive besides the honor of being deemed King and Queen? Should they receive an automatic title shot at their brand's championship? Should there be something else on the line for them? I don't know, but I do think it's worth talking about, considering that both of the money in the bank winners at this point have cashed in. Could it be something equivalent to the money in the bank where they get to choose when they fight for the championship? I don't know, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. What should the King and Queens tournaments represent in WWE? Speaking of that, who also should be included in said tournament? We have seen the commercials, which have shown different people, but there's not a guarantee. There's been no official announcement that those will be the participants. How many participants should there be? Should there be 16? Should there be eight on both sides? Don't know. I will say this. I think this is an opportunity for WWE to begin to elevate some people and we'll get a good idea of what this looks like once we start to see who the participants are. And we'll find that out certainly on Friday for the season premiere of SmackDown, which let me just very quickly say, what is the point of a season premiere if you never take time off? 
right? Raw, SmackDown, WWE doesn't have an off season. So if you don't have an off season, you're always on. So if you're always on, what is the difference between a season premiere versus what happened last week? Maybe it's just semantics. I don't know. Now, the season premiere does give them an opportunity to kind of do a refresh in terms of their set, in terms of their music, in terms of all of those types of things. Will they do it? I don't know. I don't know. Just some things to consider and think about. But if we're going to have a conversation about tournaments, we need to talk about the longest running tournament in pro wrestling and arguably the most prestigious tournament in pro wrestling. I'll tell you about that when we return. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were going to be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perceptions, reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm going to do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. A few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it wouldn't read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as Okay, guys, so the G1 Climax 31 from New Japan Pro Wrestling, the longest running tournament in the world of pro wrestling and the most prestigious tournament in pro wrestling is happening. Now, I don't know if you necessarily knew that, but and that's because their normal time frame for doing the tournament is summertime. Remember, last year they moved the tournament to October because of what was supposed to be the Olympics happening there 
there in Tokyo. Instead, the Olympics didn't happen because of COVID-19, but they did keep the tournament there in October. Well, they are replicating that this year because indeed the Olympics did happen during the summer this year. And so the tournament began end of September and is really moving forward. Some big things are happening, some big names, and some unusual things are happening. Case in point, Tetsuya Naito, who was supposed to be a part of the tournament, really was in one match and then has had to pull out of the tournament because of a knee injury. He is withdrawn. He was in the A block, and so that creates an interesting scenario. As of right now, they've not named a replacement for Tetsuya Naito, but that's a big blow. Naito, a former IWGP heavyweight champion. Naito, also a former winner of the G1 Climax Tournament. He's done it at least two times. So this is unfortunate that this is happening right now for Tetsuya Naito. Let me tell you some of the leaders in those blocks, and then I'll tell you who else are in the blocks. So right now, there is a four-way tie leading block A. That includes Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta, the Great Okan, and Kota Abushi, who was last year's winner. All four of them are sitting at eight points apiece. The other members of Block A include the current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Shingo Tagaki and Toro Yanu and Tomohiro Ishii, all of whom have six points. Then Tangaloa and Yujiro Takahashi each have four points. They're all in the A block. The B block is led right now by two people, Jeff Cobb and Kazuchika Okada, who are both undefeated in the G1 Climax 31 tournament with 10 points. They are followed by Evil, who has eight points. Hiroshi Tanahashi has six points. Then that's followed by Taichi and Sanada, who each have four points. Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, Tamatanga, and Chase Owens each have two points. So the next night of competition for the A Block will be Thursday, October the 7th. It'll be available on NJPW World. It'll see A-block competition between Tomohiro Ishii and the Great Okan, Shingo Tagaki and Toru Yanu, Zack Sabre Jr. against Yujiro Takahashi, Kota Ibushi against Tangaloa, and that will round out Block A competition for Night 11 of the G131 Climax. Night 12 goes down on Friday. And that's going to see Kazuchika Okada against Tai Chi. Hiroshi Tanahashi takes on Evil. Sonata versus Jeff Cobb. Hiroki Goto versus Chase Owens. Yoshihashi versus Tama Tanga. It's going to make for some interesting times. Things will roll on as night 13 will be on Saturday. Night 14 will be Tuesday. So this is an important weekend. We'll get probably some more ideas in terms of who could walk away as the winner of Block A and Block B for the G1 Climax Tournament. The winner of the G1 Climax Tournament gets an automatic shot at the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at the biggest event on the New Japan calendar, which is Wrestle Kingdom. For the first time, Wrestle Kingdom 16 will happen over not one, not two, but three nights in two different arenas. This is historic. Now remember, Wrestle Kingdom historically was on January the 4th only. It was about two years ago where they moved it to a two-night event, and believe it or not, WrestleMania followed suit. 
Now it is moving to a three night extravaganza across two locations. January the 4th and 5th, it'll be at the Tokyo Dome, its normal home. And then on January the 6th, for the first time ever, Wrestle Kingdom will hit the Yokohama Arena. And that's going to be the first time that Wrestle Kingdom will happen outside of the Tokyo Dome. Three nights. Two stadiums, one incredible event. I can't wait for Wrestle Kingdom. It's always a great way to start the year. And I'm intrigued as to what they will do to fill three nights. Now, let me just say this. If you are one who has watched Wrestle Kingdom in the past, you know Wrestle Kingdom, when it was a one-night event, was legitimately about six hours, right? So it could certainly afford to be split up into two nights. So for the last two Wrestle Kingdoms, it's been three to four hours, both of which were really acceptable. Now in these COVID streets, I think it's understandable why it moves to three nights. It's not necessarily going to be as long each night, but then again, you never know. New Japan has so much talent on display that they really could make this a thing. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's the first year that you don't have both the IWGP Intercontinental and Heavyweight Championships up for grabs. So how will the world title be handled now that it's unified? What else will go on? We'll have to wait and see. But our first indicator for what it could look like is found in the G1 Climax Tournament. So this is why the G1 Climax Tournament is the most prestigious in all of pro wrestling. It is 31 years and counting. So no other tournament can say that it has done that consecutively. So congratulations to New Japan. It's a tournament I love to keep my eyes on. And I'll be intrigued to see what happens. Now, if you're not subscribed to New Japan Pro Wrestling or if you've never watched, you can check it out at njpwworld.com. It is an online streaming service where you can check out the entire catalog of all things New Japan. It's pretty cool to see because some of the folks that you see tearing it up in the U.S., spent a good deal of time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So definitely check it out. There is both English and Japanese commentary for a number of the cards and matches. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Of course, tonight is AEW Dynamite, where they will continue Obviously, their hot streak. Really looking forward to seeing what that will be. Our next time together, we'll talk about NXT 2.0 because I got to tell you, my opinion of NXT 2.0 is starting to change. I'll tell you what that is the next time we get together. And of course, this week, this Friday, is a three-year anniversary show for Southern Honor Wrestling. If you've not already checked out the documentary, please do so. I would love to see you guys at the show this Friday here in the Atlanta area. It's going to be incredible. Headlined by the War Chamber main event, Six Men. Two rings, a giant cage, all for the SHW Championship. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Can't wait to call the action. Can't wait to celebrate three years of the hottest independent promotion in all of pro wrestling, Southern Honor Wrestling. And remember, you can check out all things SHW on IWTV. That's independentwrestling.tv. Go ahead, subscribe there. You'll get the first five days for free if you use the promo code SHW. H 
W. With that said, guys, we're going to get out of here. Stay connected to us on the socials at The Faction Show. And we will do this again very, very soon. Until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is GB Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. <laughs>